Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. Thank you very much for downloading. I have as my guest today, Robin Landsman of Body Backup Healthcare. Lovely to have you with me today, Robin. Lovely to be here, Mark. Thank you. And it's a pleasure having you. And the here for you is, I believe, Maida Vale in northwest London. Well, yeah, West Nine, near to Paddington. So it's just okay. walking distance from Paddington Station, but in the leafy bit just up the road, which is very nice. Yeah, very nice. And I'm in the leafy bit of Buckinghamshire. You are, I'm not telling you because you know this already, you are a practicing osteopath. 32 years under your belt. Not only do you have a health practice in Maidavale, which, as you say, is near Paddington, it's in a library. And how, how did that happen? Well, actually, I was looking to do something new with my practice. I've been in practice, as you pointed out, quite a few years and uh, had a practice in London, but was looking to do something that was more in the community and, and connected. And as it turned out, a very interesting project with the library service and events in the library will be run on health and things for kids at half term and help desks for people. So we're kind of doing lots of other outreach work and, and the practice itself is there as well. So it's actually quite a, a nice looking at all the events they do. So it's kind of been a very interesting development in public health, really, public health engagement. Yeah. Love it, love it. So, and, and you have another practice in Maidenhead, and I'll, I'll declare an interest. I'm a, a very happy customer of yours from your Maidenhead practice. I'm very pleased to say I haven't been there for many years because I haven't needed to, but in all seriousness, if I ever needed to, that's, that's where I would be going. So I, I'm still a customer. I just haven't needed you for a very long time. I'm sorry. Um, and you've been, I think, that practice for 30 years now? Yeah, no, that was the first practice. We had, we had actually several branches, actually, in, in fact, in Winnersh, uh, in a big health club there. And we had a couple of other branches, one out in Sunningdale, Sunning okay. Hill, um, and another two as well. So, you know, we, had, we were working with GPs a lot at the time and actually based in GP practices as well. So... We've done lots of different things over the years. <laughs> good, good. And what you've done recently, in a minute, I'm going to stop bigging you up and start talking about some of the stuff that I know is going to be very helpful to the business people listening, particularly those who are either permanently or short-term working from home. You are a trustee of the Institute of Health Promotion and Education, which sounds incredibly grand. And even grander than that, which I think is a fairly new development for you, you're now an advisor to Public Health England on musculoskeletal health. That sounds awesome. Is that about as big as it sounds? Well, I think it's great to have, um, in a sense, a connection into feedback and experience. And I think in any, any role, to be kind of drawn upon to sort of either be a trustee or to help and actually, you know, it gives opportunity to connect also to other very, you know, keen people in the field um, and actually kind of innovate and, and, and share with them as well. So it's hopefully going to help people's health um, and actually change some things that perhaps have been perhaps a little stagnant or a little slow in evolving in healthcare by actually starting to influence things based on experience and sharing that around. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's lovely to be in a position of influence and it must be lovely for you to be in a position of influence in, in a field in which you've been working for over 30 years because you know, clearly you have, have some experience there. So you are an 
osteopath. So mm-hmm. I know people get confused, translation, I get confused about different branches of medicine and, and what they actually mean. Before we start talking about working from a desk, what does an osteopath do and what are the circumstances under which somebody should be saying to themselves, I need to go and see an osteopath? Okay, well, just to start with, I think the training and background of an osteopath, we're now allied healthcare professionals recognized by NHS England. In fact, um, whilst I was president of our institute, which was (laughs) three years ago or so and four years ago, I actually was part of that sort of process of bringing in that sort of position for osteopaths um, within um, that sector. And it's exciting partly because it actually brings together 14 professions that are allied healthcare professions. And we're actually primary healthcare trained, which a lot of people don't realize. A bit like a GP, we don't treat everything, but we're able to screen and actually look at health in general rather than just only muscles and joints. And I say only, 30% of consultations with a GP can fall into that musculoskeletal problem areas um really as much and as osteopaths that are, yeah, as much as that and still you know people are desperate to find answers so a lot of the people come to us um perhaps actually after a long journey exploring their health and not finding answers or recommended by a friend or a colleague or somebody who says go and see you know the osteopath i know so we're getting people often without uh, any other information and we need to go from scratch so the case history the evaluation is very much medical background and then we do the examination and have a look at how people are functioning, um, focusing on the pain, but not to the degree where we miss the big picture. So it's looking at, you know, all the contributing elements, I suppose, that create stiffness, pain and disability in people. And that's often why they come and see us for that hands-on help. And these days, actually, advice, exercise and, uh, yeah, keeping always the big picture in mind. It's stepping back all the time and kind of keep looking at the whole person and their lifestyle as to why they've presented the way they have. So that's a a sort of long answer to a short question. (laughs) Okay. And no, that's great. My last question on that aspect of it is about what actually happens. One, if I'm in pain, the last thing that I want is for you to hurt me. Are you going to hurt me or are you going to be nice to me? No. Well, the, the thing is, first of all, we have to ascertain in a sense, level of pain and discomfort is one thing, but also the approach. So it's a bit like, for example, if someone has a bad knee or a bad hip, yeah, or pain in their back, we may well look when we examine them away from the area of pain and actually treat that area first. Um, sometimes relieving tension and stresses that have developed away from the center of the pain is the approach. So you're actually not diving into what hurts at all um, okay. and actually easing up the function and the flow of movement. And that starts to take down the pressure on the bit that actually hurts. Um, so it's not as scary as it sounds. And we choose techniques to suit the individual, their age, their ability, and even their appreciation of how they feel about pain because, you know, everyone's going to be different how they feel about their pain. Yeah, I I shouldn't judge others by my standards. I have a really, (laughs) really low pain threshold, so hey. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that sort of leads us into, you said about not dealing specifically with the pain, but the parts of the body that may be causing the pain if i can paraphrase it like that so that leads me fairly neatly into asking about the thing that i really wanted to focus on today which is how people set up their office space at home and indeed their office space when they're at work there is a difference there which i'll I'll mention in a second 
it's about the height of the chair, the height, the angle of the wrist, the, the screen, all that. I know it's about all of those things, but what height should my chair be? And I know I should have a footrest or should I? And how high a footrest and why? And how do I, as an individual at home, work out what it is that I need to be doing? And I mentioned the difference. There's the, you know, the health and safety executive and there's employer responsibilities. And I know the people who work in an office will have someone come around sometimes and, oh, no, you're, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. They don't do it when you're working from home. So what, what are your thoughts well, on how do I do I that? My, well, the point is being a clinician and a health clinician, you actually see the, the sort of end of it, which, you know, is when people are already in pain quite yeah. often. And, and so that's sort of headaches. too late. Yeah. yeah, you know, either headaches or arm pains or shoulder pains or back pain. That's the kind of thing typically people are getting when they're sitting for too long and sitting badly. And the trouble is people don't spot that it's building up slowly over time until it actually hurts. So... You know, you could sit all day and get out of your chair and it only hurts when you get up. So you think it's getting up that's the problem, but really it's how you've been sitting all day that's the real problem. Um, Interesting. So that's, yeah. you know, and it sneaks up on you in that way and it's hard always to work out what the cause factors are in your own head as a, as yes. a patient. Um, it's, so I suppose to answer the question is spotting these things for individuals is really important. Now, there are people in offices who go around who are appointed as as the health and safety officer who may not be fully trained, but they are kind of given that role and that title. And people do call in sometimes ergonomic specialists who look at set up of desks and chairs, or even perhaps sell desks and chairs. And sometimes the experience of those people is not necessarily, can I say, uh, impartial when it comes to the advice an individual needs versus, yeah. you know, selling furniture. We don't sell furniture and that's why we don't because it's actually, it's become very clear that you want to quite stay quite separate yeah. if you're going to advise people if, thoroughly if, and professionally. If somebody said to me, if somebody like that said to me, oh, you need a new chair, Mark, I'd think, well, of course you're going to say that. You sell chairs for a living. Uh, so, yeah, I get that. So here I am sitting at home in a chair that I think is the wrong height with a, uh, without a footrest that I may or may not need. You know, how do I how do I know whether I'm giving myself a problem and, and how, what should I be thinking about in order to set up my home office appropriately? Okay. Well, I guess going back to the point about individuals, I did, we used to do a lot of home visits and have done over the years to some big corporations looking at, you know, bunches of people in the same office, similar workstations, similar chairs, similar everything, but actually using them all differently with bad habits um, mm -hmm. sometimes um, not adjusting what could be adjusted. You know, there are potential. You have to learn a bit about how to do that. And also the one-size-fits-all model, just to go back to your point about a footrest, for example, is mm -hmm. the reality is not everybody needs them, but what often happens in a big office, going to that case, is that everybody wants the same as everybody else to be treated fairly. And so I've even seen it in offices where everybody gets the same kit but that really is not appropriate to <laughs> suiting yes. individual needs. Yes. So, Being treated fairly doesn't mean you have the same footrest as the guy next to you. Indeed. Being, or the same chair or the same anything necessarily. No, it um, means that you have what's right for you. That's what's being treated fairly. Indeed. Yeah. And it's also the habits and patterns because the actual chair itself, I mean, there are conventions about you know, knees and arms and elbows and things being at 90 degrees and resting your arms on the desk and all sorts of things which are standard and you could look that up anywhere on Google and find a standardized picture. Mm -hmm. But what you tend to find is obviously, you know, people's arms length, their, uh, length varies. Um, and, you know, even 
their attitude to the screen. And I mean, whether their vision is exactly right for the screen, that's a big factor in setting your posture up wrongly. So sometimes that little bit of tilt of the head because of, for example, bifocal lenses, very focal lenses, means that that little bit of tilt to see a part of the screen is making a neck sort of stay at the wrong position for too long or the same position for too long, and that creates that tension headache. Mm -hmm. So the subtleties are kind of actually, and this is why I love being an osteopath, to be fair, is those subtleties actually make a heck of a difference when it comes to evaluating someone's individual posture because little things add up, and they add up over an extended period of hours, weeks, months, even years in the same office place. And that little bit of a habit where the screen's off to one side slightly shouldn't seem a big deal, but over 10 years or five years of sitting badly, it becomes a big deal. So sometimes, yeah, the rules and ergonomics are something that I would bear in mind, but as a clinician, we're kind of adapting and looking at how you as a person needs to and has to sit, uh, uh, you know, at your workstation. Mm. So the adjustments are good, but learning how to use your chair which often you sit down, you get on with it. Who actually turns it upside down or reads the instruction manual? Probably <laughs> not many people. <laughs> yeah, very um, few, very few. Yeah, so that's something, you know, that's an easy win. If the chair's adjustable, then for goodness sake, do have a look and see how that can actually work. Mm. Um, and yeah. and you, you mentioned about tension headache. I know that sort of pins and needles is a warning sign. Are those the main things I should be looking out for that make me say, hang on, I'm getting this wrong, I need to do something different? Well, you, for example, the pins and needle one is a good thing. It's actually a kind of version of sometimes what's called carpal tunnel, which is a wrist issue um, that mm -hmm. compresses nerves going into your hands. It can come from your neck, and the nerves that go up through your top ribs, just sort of at the top of your collarbone, they can get under tension and create pins and needles into various fingers in your hands. So... You may not get it at work, but you might find it's waking up at night or first thing in the morning where your hands and arms are dead or feeling sort of um, that they're actually full of pins and needles. So it can, where it hits you and how it affects you, you may not always connect with the way you're sitting at work that's the cause. Yes, it could be that you just, you, you know you've got a headache, but you don't even think that that could be because of how you've been sitting, the, the angle Indeed. of your screen or whatever. Yeah, I get yeah. that. And what about not working how often should i be is there is there guidance on how often i should get up and move around and when i do take a break from my laptop which is for me personally <laughs> very infrequent but hey when i do take that break what what should i be doing from a physical perspective to sort of loosen up and get myself back into shape so that i can then sit down and do another period and how long is that period should i be mm. doing another hour 20 minutes two hours what's what's, what's well if you're not in pain an hour an hour or so is probably a good time to get up and have a little stroll the thing is at lunchtime and other breaks is to make sure you actually do open up your stride and actually move more fully not just literally get up walk to the coffee and come back again because that isn't <laughs> out much. Um, but variety of task is quite important as well so you don't do all the filing at once or all the sitting at once you break it up really so you make a little bit of variety, you plan that in, and you say, look, I'm going to do some of that, some of that, and some of that, and you break it down. So you can break it in with some changes of activity, some pauses, but actually more to the point, a change of the way you're using the body. And um, it's very important not just to walk, but to actually do some upper body workout as well. So doing squats, for example, yeah, um, raising your arms up to shoulder height or above, for example, just doing three or four 
surprisingly, yeah. it's such a big global exercise. You don't have to do it for very long. Doing it slowly can actually sort of break down a lot of tension across your whole body. Wow. I must say I do a range of different things when I have a little break from my laptop, but squats is not one of them, or at least it <laughs> hasn't been up until now. I shall, I shall give that a try, perhaps immediately after this call. We'll see how it goes. But um, slowly. Yes, yeah, slowly. So here I am sitting at my desk and I'm pretty comfortable. I've got it set up wrong. And you know what? I could Google on what's right, but then I don't know who, which online sources are reliable. How, what's the, is there some sort of remote consultation that can be done for somebody to say, this is how you need to change your setup, Mark? Yeah, well, funny enough, um, <laughs> yes, there is. Um, and in fact, we're doing telehealth uh, as we call it, telehealth, it means remote health. Um, and by being able to visit literally by Zoom or other method, um, someone's home or office, um, we're able to actually see how they're living their life. And actually, we're calling it like a virtual visit because literally seeing people in their work environment or even where they sit on the sofa or how they do stuff, we've been doing that with people. And it's been really interesting to actually see habits that you'd, you'd find hard to pick out if you were just talking about it in a clinical environment where someone comes to see you. And it's efficient also because, you know, people, even in a larger group rather than even a one-to-one, you can actually get through quite a few members of staff, observe what they're doing. Maybe a colleague could hold a, a camera at a distance just from, to, to actually observe and advise. And so that we're finding actually is kind of a useful option, I think, for people because it's efficient and it's, it's actually about the learning and teaching someone something new as well rather than just telling them sit like that, sit like that, sit like that because they don't remember. They don't necessarily take it on board. So coaching is what it's all about, really. Telehealth coaching in, in sort of healthcare is, is okay. kind of a big thing. If, if you don't mind me asking, I know that there are people listening to this who will work for big or, or small corporates and they're suddenly, surprisingly, working from home and their employers might pay for it. If it's – I know lots of my listeners are solopreneurs and small businesses – where it's their pocket that they're putting their hand into to pay for it. Do you mind me asking what, what, if, if somebody says I'd really like to do that, what sort of money are we talking? Cause I sort of, my, my expectation is it would be quite a lot and I'm very happy for you to prove me wrong. Well, I think if you got someone round to the house, literally it would take a lot longer to do. So in terms of the cost saving, you know, probably 20 minutes, Probably we would do it if you, it depends if you want photos and follow up. We do a kind of three level service, but you're talking thirty five pounds for oh, a simple really? one off chat. Yeah, not a lot because okay. it's kind of you know it's it's educational and it's sharing some stuff. We'd go through the setup uh, with you at home, and actually that that would be all it would take. It wouldn't take a huge amount of time. Um, I think you know in a bigger office you are talking about perhaps recording you know, the pictures and sending back a report. And there's a bit more involved if that's needed on a health and safety sort of basis. But for your own information, it's kind of quite straightforward. And actually, you know, to get to chat with somebody who knows what they're talking about, it's, it's, you know, a plumber would be a lot more. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's just to turn up before they do anything. Um, Not that I want to denigrate plumbers, but we know where we're going. No, no, no. Listen, you need a plumber, you need a plumber. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? If you need your posture and your work environment checked out, then you need that. The return on the investment of 35 quid or or perhaps a little bit more for the the higher levels of work 
that's that's a phenomenal return on investment starting with the peace of mind that you know i don't know if i'm sitting okay or not so at least if you say mark you're good then at least i know that and i can if you were contemplating if you were contemplating going online or otherwise to go and buy a new chair a wrist rest or the kit you know even on a lot not very expensive level you'd be spending several hundreds of pounds to make the right decision for yourself yeah yeah you know even on the cheaper level you know uh, uh, you could really spend quite a lot and actually not get the right decision made so yeah. kind of i feel that that a little investment in time before you go out and splash out is probably a good idea <laughs> absolutely absolutely do you know what? I've learned things. I might possibly be spending 35 quid with you in the very near future. You never know. And potentially if listeners find that interesting or indeed if they want to talk to you about any of the things that you've said about their musculoskeletal health, that's a phrase I've not used before. All of your contact details are within the podcast notes. They can get in touch and you'll, I know, be very happy to chat with them. Uh, my contact details are also in the podcast notes. So if people want to talk to me about the show and uh, to give some constructive criticisms or even to say nice things if they want to, then please do get in touch. And I am going to say Robin Lensman of Body Backup Healthcare. Thank you very much indeed for this. It's been really interesting, really practical tips, good ideas. And I know I will be changing some things about what I do and how I do it starting from today. I, uh, I hope this has been a good experience for you too. Yeah, great. No, really. And, and the questions have been good to provoke me to kind of, you know, uh, explore and expand on, on what we do. So great. Thank you. Good. Lovely. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much to the listeners for downloading this and for listening. If this is your first show, then please do subscribe and, and listen to some of the others. If you're a regular listener, then thank you very much indeed for that. My name is Mark Harris. I am Enterprise Doctor. I do advice and support for businesses. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the podcast another time. But for now, this is Mark Harris signing off.